0: I want you to imagine that you're watching somebody drown and you're standing there on the shore and the person is screaming out, like, save me, save me, somebody save me. And then you remember that you were just drowning a few minutes ago and somebody threw you a life preserver. Somebody threw the life preserver out to you and you caught onto it and they pulled you onto shore. So you get up on shore and you're saved. And then you look out and you see the people drowning. And the guy who gave you the life preserver says, hey, here's another one, let's keep throwing it. Let's keep throwing it out there, there's more people to save. And you just go, nah, I'd rather not. Like, uh, I have stuff I wanna do. And you just go on shore and you live your life. I mean, if you guys saw that, if you were watching that scene, how would you feel watching a person do that? Just reject the opportunity to save anybody. How would you feel? Anybody? Bummed out, pissed off? Yeah. Ticked off at him. Little, little PO'd. I know I would, for sure. But honestly, like, when I think about this story, I, I realize that, I mean, we're all that way so many times. We've been saved. Like, raise your hand if you've been saved. Like, I've, I've been saved. So if you've been saved... The goal as a Christian isn't just to go and live your saved life, but it's to be involved in the rescue mission. But for a lot of times in my own life, seriously, and you, like, I'm being straight up with you guys. You guys know me. Like, I'm always like, hey, let's go to the to sing on Saturdays. There are times where I straight up don't want to do that. Yeah, there, <laughs> seriously. There are times where my flesh, like, really doesn't want to be involved in that. Um, what is Outreach. Anybody like want to try to define outreach? Anybody? What do you guys think? Yeah, James. Reaching out. out. (laughs) There you go. Outreach, it's reaching out to someone who is in need. It's reaching out to somebody who needs the help, not just of a helping hand, but the help of the Lord. So I want to go with you guys through a couple reasons why we should share the gospel. One is it's the cure. Like, it is literally the gospel is literally the cure for every disease that mankind has. And you're like, wait, it can't cure cancer. No, I mean, absolutely it can, in the sense that if you have Jesus, cancer can't beat you. If you have Jesus, when you die, you continue to live. Like, there is a second life. It's called the resurrection. Like, it is the cure to the disease of sin. It is the solution to every single problem that you face. I think some of you guys, you're coming here, and you know that there's problems of sin. You're struggling with problems of sin in your own life. Your family members are struggling with problems of sin. I mean, it's a huge deal that the whole universe faces. It's a universal problem. And Jesus, the gospel, is the solution. Um, there was this guy named St. Francis Assisi. It's kind of a dumb name. It's not he it was a sissy, but I mean... Anyway, it's he has this quote that people think that he used, and it's, preach, does anyone know it? Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. He didn't actually say that, but a lot of people think he did. It was misattributed to him. But think about that, think about that, think about that. Guys, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Basically, like, it's kind of a cop-out. It's like, hey, you know, you're trying to be a Christian, you're trying to do the right thing. You just be a really good person, and people will see that, and they'll come up to you and they'll ask you, hey, why are you such a good person? And then you can tell them about Jesus. I don't know about you, but like that just doesn't line up for me. Like, Do any of you guys like charades? I hate charades. You know, here's a situation where I would really hate charades. Tell me if you would hate these charades. If a meteor was going to hit us and like Christian knew... He's the only person who knew that this meteor that was small enough to just hit this little fire pit and kill us all. If Christian somehow knew, because he has a telescope in his room and he saw the comment, and he, he trajectoried out like exactly when it was going to hit, and he knows. If he knew, would you want him to tell us with words or with charades? <laughs> no. If he comes over, he's like... <laughs> Like, we're going to be like, what are you, you're insane. Like, we'd laugh at him, but then we'd all get hit by a comment and we'd die. Like, you need, I think, guys, when it comes to preaching the gospel, guys, I think we need to live with our lives so that people see us, but we need to use words. God has given us good news. He's given us the message. Like, I've told you guys this before, but think of just this illustration. Like, you know, we keep, we keep going back to cancer. Some of you guys have even had family members who struggle struggled with it. It's, it's horrible. Like my, uh, my grandfather passed away from it. It's, it's a terrible disease. Um, if you are struggling with that and someone has the cure to cancer and they're carrying around in a suitcase, like you want them to come up to you and open up the suitcase and say, here is the cure. You don't want that person to just like bedazzle out that suitcase and like make it all sparkly and like put like little jewels on the corner so that someone looks at the suitcase and goes, "Oh, that's a super nice suitcase. What's in it?" No, no person is going to do that. Like the likelihood of someone coming up to you and asking you something about Jesus, it's it's very slim. It can happen, but I just think we are called to use words when we preach the gospel. I think another thing is it's it's our primary mission. So many times I've heard students and adults alike, they'll, they'll talk to me and they'll be like, Aaron, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Like, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Like, what is God's will for my life? And I absolutely believe that like, Like there's some people who don't believe this. I believe it. I believe that God has a specific will for your life. I believe that God has planned out the best possible things for you. And if you walk with him, he's gonna bless you. You're gonna have hard times. You're gonna have awesome times. But throughout all those times, God is going to be leading you and growing you stronger. And he's gonna be blessing you with things and opportunities like God has a plan for you. I absolutely am a huge believer in that. But in the sense of just when you're in that spot where you're like, man, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right now. What does God want me to do? My question to you is, are there poor people in your neighborhood? Are there like people in your school who are kind of outcasts that no one sits with? Are there elderly people and sick people and people who don't know Jesus in your school or in your neighborhood? Are there people that you can minister to? If the answer is yes, which for all of us it is, that's what God wants us to do. Like, he left us a specific instruction and says, go and be me to the world. Like, I'm Jesus. Go and be me to the world. That's outreach. It's going to the world and saying, Jesus loves you. And I'm not just going to say it with words. I'm going to use my words and my actions to show you. I'm going to love you because Jesus loves you. So we should never be asking the question, what does God want me to do? Like, I'm just not going to do anything. I'm just, I'm not going to do anything until God specifically shows up and gives, Dylan, if you're looking for a seat, there's one right there. Um, but uh, if, if you're in a situation where you're wondering, what does God want me to do? The answer is if you read the Bible, he tells us, love others, love your neighbor, love your enemy, love the poor, love the rich. Love your friend, love your foe. Love your parents, love the stranger, love the homeless person on the street. Love the person in your school who doesn't get any love. Show them who Jesus is. The third reason why we should outreach is because God is with us. Are you guys, turn? anyone turn to Jonah? Anybody, Jonah? Check it out, okay, read it. Jonah chapter one. Whenever we read the book of Jonah, what do we focus on, anybody? The big fish, the whale. That's awesome. I love that story. But I think it's one of those stories where there's so many things going on that you can easily miss something. So I'm actually going to focus on chapter one. We are not going to focus on the fish. We are going to focus on something different. Let's just read through it, okay? Uh, Chapter one, verse one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. If you don't know, Nineveh was like the ISIS of its day. They would shove spears through people over the top of their heads, and they would line the walls of their city with the corpses of their enemies. Like, you did not want a vacation there. It was terrible. Um, Verse 3, Jonah arose, and he ran away to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty storm on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners, the sailors, they were afraid, and every man cried to his God. So all these sailors, they're freaking out, and they're calling out to their specific gods. And they started throwing the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, and he lay down, and he was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper, arise, call on your God, and perhaps your God will consider us so that, they may, so that we may not perish. So if you notice, who had they tried to ask for help? Their gods. Any luck? No. So they go to Jonah. They don't know who Jonah's God is. He's just some random dude. And they say, hey, we've all tried our gods. What about your God? So verse seven. They said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause the trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. And they said to him, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What's your job? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And what people are you of? And Jonah answers in verse nine, I am a Hebrew and I fear or serve the Lord, the God of heaven, Yahweh, who made the sea and the dry land. So he's in a storm. They're freaking out. They're like, what are we going to do? And Jonah's like, oh yeah, my God made the ocean. Like, I'd be like, okay, tell him to fix it. Like, he's the one. So verse 10, then the men were exceedingly afraid and they said, why have you done this? For the men knew that he was running away from the presence of the Lord. God had given Jonah an outreach opportunity. Go to Nineveh. Jonah didn't want to do it. Ran away. Verse 11. Then they said, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more stormy and tempestuous. It's a great word, tempestuous. Verse 12, then he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to the land, but they could not for the sea continued to grow more stormy and tempestuous around them. These are good guys. They don't want to kill Jonah. Jonah's just like, oh yeah, just chuck me overboard. It'll be rad. It'll be fine. Everything will be cool. And they're like, no, dude, we, let's just try to get away before we like resort to murder. Um, they can't get out of the storm. So they're like, okay, I guess we got to kill Jonah. So verse 14, therefore, They cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord. They're praying to Yahweh now. That's our God. If you didn't know his name, it's Yahweh. So they're praying to Yahweh. Please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleases you. So they picked up Jonah, they threw him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows." Okay, honestly, most of you guys, you've heard this story so many times, you probably started zoning out towards the end. But that's the part I really wanted you to pay attention to. Let's read that again really quick. So after they chucked Jonah over the sea, these sailors, verse 16, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, and they took vows. Does anyone understand why this is insane and awesome and cool? Anybody? Yeah. Um, those sailors, after seeing white God do one thing, who probably worship these other gods their whole lives beforehand. Um, right then and there, just gave their hearts to the Lord. Yeah, like, I don't know if you caught it. I actually, I used to read this story, and I never caught it. I just kind of skimmed over that last part, because I was so focused on the giant fish swallowing Jonah, and I was so, like, excited about that. I was going to go watch the VeggieTales movie, where it was, like, Larry and the giant whale, which is basically just a giant whale eating a cucumber, which is normal, I guess, <laughs> unless there's... Cucumbers floating out there. Anyway, Jonah was, an Jonah was not. A, he's, a cu- he's a cucumber. No. no. Larry's a cucumber. No? No, he no. wasn't Jonah. Jonah, Jonah was. Larry wasn't Jonah? No. Oh, what part did Larry play? He wasn't He was the cat. He, he was a caterpillar? Oh, oh the pirates <laughs> who don't do anything. Either way, don't eat. He... Yeah, either way. Either way <laughs> Moving on. Okay, so if you're looking at verse 16, look at verse 16. Shh, look at verse 16. So then the men feared the Lord and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. This, I mean, this is, this is really cool. I don't know if you guys geek out on Bible stuff, but for me, like, I love when I catch something that I always miss. These guys are heathens. Like they, they're worshiping other gods on this ship. They're not praying to Yahweh, they're praying to gods that don't exist. Jonah says, hey, my God is the true God. Now is Jonah being an evangelist? Is Jonah using this as a missional opportunity? No, Jonah is running away from the Lord and he's, just, he's not doing anything spiritual. Like Jonah is not serving the Lord at all. He's literally does not wanna be an evangelist. He doesn't wanna do street witnessing. He doesn't wanna love his enemies. He just wants to run. But in the end, what happens? Do these guys crash and burn and die and go to hell? No, it says they feared the Lord. Then they go and they offer a sacrifice to the Lord. So they go to the temple, they kill an animal, they offer a sacrifice as was like the Jewish custom. And then they took vows. So they're like pledging their allegiance to Yahweh. These guys have like converted to Judaism at this point. Like it's, it's awesome. To me, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I wanna share with you. God is always Working. Regardless of us, God is always working. He is on a mission to save people. Jonah wasn't responsible for anything that happened. It was all God. So that gives me confidence. Like, I'm bummed out for Jonah. God obviously wanted to save these guys on this boat, and he could have used Jonah if Jonah's heart was in the right circumstance, and then Jonah could have ended up going to Nineveh and saving a bunch or being used to save a bunch of people, but instead his heart is just nasty, and he gets swallowed up by a fish. But God still saves the people. I think it's so rad. I just wanna encourage you guys, get on board with what God is doing. Like in your life, in your schools, in your areas of life that you live in, God is working. It's, it's tough, because like there's so many reasons why we don't. Like I think one reason, a big reason, is a fear of rejection. I think that's a reason why we don't share with people. I think that's why we don't share with our friends, we don't share with our family members. We're, we have a fear of being rejected. Because I think, I don't know about you guys, but like when I was your age, and now, as a 27-year-old adult, I have a huge, like, need, I feel like there's a need to be accepted. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like, I mean, I don't know if you're always feeling, like, you know, do I fit in? I mean, am I wearing the right shoes uh, where I can go stand in the group photo? Um, do I have the right hair? Um, you know, Do I have the right clothes? Did I curl my hair the way that she did because she's cool and now all the other girls are curling their hair? I just, I, seriously, like, it's, 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 there's a lot of pressure to fit in. A lot of pressure to look the same to get the same King Jong-un haircut. Um, it's, seriously. Witnessing, witnessing can be strange. It can be weird for sure. And people will reject you. That's the thing. Straight up, going out and preaching the gospel, people will reject you. But listen to what Jesus says in Luke 6, 22. He said, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and mock you and reject you on account of me. Jesus says, if you're being rejected from me, you're in good company. Another reason is fear of danger, which is really ironic as Americans that we fear danger. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, we've been doing this street witnessing for a while now. And sometimes I I still get scared. And I listen to you guys and you're like, Aaron, I'm so scared. And here's the crazy thing. In Pakistan, this just happened the other day, in in Pakistan, there's a bunch of Christians over there, and they got together on Easter to celebrate Jesus. These are people living in Pakistan. Um, They, you know, I mean, the traditional religion over there is the Muslim religion, but these are Pakistanis, not American missionaries going over there. These are people living in Pakistan who have given their lives to Jesus, and they're trying to have a celebration, an Easter celebration. And... The Taliban, as a, a splinter cell uh, section of uh, the Taliban under the order of ISIS attacks them and bombs them. Suicide bomber. Now we've got 70 people dead, about 300 people injured. That's something I could never imagine happening here in this backyard, like just an explosion and a bunch of us are dead and a bunch of us are injured. And it's like, it, it's crazy. Like in a country like that, in Pakistan, Christians are less than 2% of the entire population. Here in America, like, we're, we're, we're the majority. There's a lot of people who claim to be Christians here in America. But in countries like that, like, they have to look over their shoulder all the time. They're the tiny 2% minority, and they know they can be killed at any point. Guys, for us, when we try to share the gospel, and this, I'm not just talking about street witnessing tonight. I'm talking about at your schools. I'm talking about as the Lord leads you. I'm talking about when you go to college, God wants to use you in a big way. But what we always do is we always think of the worst case scenario. Like if I go to that person and I talk to him about the Lord, oh, it's gonna be embarrassing. It's gonna be awkward. Like the worst case scenario is they're gonna reject me. They're gonna hate me. Like worst case scenario, they'll, they'll hit me or pull a gun on me. That's never happened anytime I've ever been out. I mean, it could happen, but the chances It's like, that's like the 2% chance that we have. In Pakistan, it's like the 97% chance that you're gonna be attacked. Over here, it's like the 2% chance. The reality is for us, the worst case scenario here in America, the worst case scenario. Guys, the worst case scenario. When we go out, when you're in your school and the Holy Spirit leads you to share the gospel with somebody, you have to remember the worst case scenario is that they don't hear the gospel. That's the worst case scenario that they don't hear about Jesus and they die and they go to hell because if you die you know where you're going you have an indestructible soul another thing that we struggle with is a fear of embarrassment but i think what's really embarrassing is that we're more concerned about that than giving the cure to sick people another thing that we struggle with is being too busy and for me that's a big one seriously guys i'll just be straight up like like i know i've kind of been the guy in your life who's just been like, really like, hey, let's go out and let's do this. But seriously, there's so many times where I am walking, like even today, I was walking and I saw a guy, a homeless guy, he was sitting on the ground and he was actually reading like a Christian book. And I felt like the Lord was like, maybe you could like sit down with him and talk to him. And I was like, I don't have time. I've got to go write this Bible study. Like I'm, I'm convicted. I'm, con- I'm honestly, I'm convicted. I think we need to let the Holy Spirit guide us. Because yes, I mean, obviously we have to live our lives. Like obviously we have, like you can't spend 100% of your time preaching the gospel because you have your own life to live as well. But I think we should remember that Jesus said, Jesus says that the one who is willing to lose his life will gain it in me. And I think obviously, like I said, we have to live our life, but we should not live our life without preaching the gospel. We need to take time to pray about this often and say, Lord, give me opportunities. Seriously, guys, like for me, the times where I've asked God to give me opportunities have been life-changing. I remember you guys, most of you guys have heard this story, so I won't. Do the whole thing, but you guys remember that story I told about that guy Jorge? You know, I was like walking through the woods and, like, literally, you don't—you've heard that story, yeah? I'm like out there and I'm praying and I'm—I'm I'm feeling really confident because I've been doing street witnessing on my own for a while now. And I'm like, you know what, Lord, if you gave me an opportunity today, I would do it. And this total gangbanger like jumps out of the bushes and like asks to use my phone, and I'm like super sketched out. And it's right after I was like, Lord, give me an opportunity, but it was so cool. I mean, you guys remember, like, I lied to him. He's like, Can you drive me to the beach? And I'm like, Oh, I can't because my wife needs me to pick up grapes. And then, and then I lied again because I felt guilty. And I was like, Oh, she just texted me. She has all the grapes. Like, it's totally fine. But I end up, up driving him to the beach. And we end up taking the long way because I'm a terrible driver, as most of you guys know, and I can't talk and drive at the same time. But in the course of that drive, the guy opens up about how he feels like he can never live up to his mom's standards. He feels like he's, he he can, you know, he was in jail. He's 19 years old, just got out of jail. And he's like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. And he just opens up and God's like, this is your opportunity to get in there and share the gospel. And the dude gets saved. Like he told me that in jail, he felt like God was speaking to him and he asked God, send me somebody who can speak to me. I'm not magic. Like God didn't like mark me and say, Aaron, like this mystical stuff is gonna happen to you all the time. This is actually what all believers have available to them. And you can talk to, So many of us here who've been through that same place. You can talk to Aaron. He's had Aaron Frazee over there. He's had many encounters just the same where he's out. He's willing to do what God wants him to do. And God brings somebody for him to talk to. Many of you guys have been out street witnessing with us and you've met people and had conversations with people. And I'm so proud of you guys. Seriously, every single one of you guys. Like, You guys are an amazing group. I think another reason though, I mean, and I'm, I'm not saying this to guilt trip you guys. I'm just saying this because I need to hear this message. Honestly, this was a message I needed to hear. This is a reminder for us because we're a youth group that I feel like God is called to outreach. So let's keep going through. Another reason is I think we might say it's not my calling. I think that's a big one. For some of us, we say, that's somebody else's gifting, that's somebody else's calling, someone else will do it. There's evangelists, there's Billy Graham, there's Levi Lesko, there's Skip Heitzig, there's all these guys that God has called. There's, you might be looking at people in this group and it's like, well, that's obviously his gift. That's obviously hers gift. But Jesus gave us the great commission. When he left, when he went up to heaven, he left us. He didn't say, hey, make sure there's a lot of people who come to your church. No, he said, go and make disciples. He said, go and make disciples of the nation. And so many times we, we get so sketched out about doing it. Imagine this. Imagine if Jesus came during your lifetime. Like, let's imagine like this was like a social club and like we just got together to hang out and like we didn't believe in anything. Like we had no beliefs and like the only song we sang was Kumbaya and like we just roasted marshmallows and played games. And we just got together because we liked each other and we hung out. And then like, in this backyard, like, Jesus, like, walks through the wall, comes over, and we're like, oh, Jesus, we ran out of pizza, and he's like, oh, boom, and, like, all of a sudden, we all have pizza in our hand, and, like, Sam's sick, and Jesus is like, be healed, and all of a sudden, Sam's leprosy is gone, and just, like, like, you know, Morgan dies, Jesus raised Morgan from the dead, like, all this crazy stuff is happening, and we're seeing it, and then he starts telling us, like, how to be free from our sins, and how to be free from death, and how to live eternal life, like, And then he dies on a cross, and we see it, and then he comes back from the dead. Like, like would we be like, yeah, but somebody else will tell him. Like, no, we would be like, like let's spend the rest of our life telling people about this. Like, this is what our life should be about. Yes, we'll go to school and get jobs, but like the focus of our life is going to be about Jesus. Is this not true? Like, honest, let's just be real. If that happened, if it started with us, wouldn't we be more hardcore about it? Yeah. Like, wouldn't we take our walk with the Lord more seriously? The reason we don't is because there's so many Christians in the world, and we just say, oh, they'll do it. Like, I just want to live my life and focus on me. We run through life as a race. And how many of you guys are, like, athletic? Anybody? I'm not, but are you? <laughs> Athletes? Anybody? <laughs> Dylan. Okay, how many of you guys are really competitive? <laughs> yeah. Come on, more hands. How many guys are really competitive? Let's compete to see who can raise their hand the highest. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, picture this. Okay, you guys know um, all these new movies like Maze Runner, like and um, Divergent. It's always like Detergent. (laughs) Hey, what is it? What is it? It's it's always characters like waking up. And they're not like a newborn baby, they're like a fully formed like, teenager, but they don't know anything. They're like, I have no memories and I'm just here and there's like bombs going off and like, what on earth? Imagine you being really competitive, you wake up and you're in the middle of a competition about to start. And you're like, what's going on? Like, I don't understand how I got here. And, and they're like, listen, you've gotta run this race. And here's all the people you're competing against. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm gonna go. And they're like, you gotta figure out the rules on your own. And you're like, okay, I can do it. <laughs> You start running, and then, like, just imagine, like, there's all these, like, stairs and, like, just winding paths through the woods. And you just start running, and everyone's running, and you notice there's all these, like, cubes, okay? All these, like, boxes. We'll even make them floating, you know, like, they're, like, yeah. mystical floating cubes. And you're trying to figure out, like, how do I win this race? And you start thinking like, I got to get all the cubes. So you start grabbing the cubes and you start like stacking them up in your hand. You're like, I got the cubes. And you're looking around and like that joke over there has got like one little cube. And you're like, ah, sucker, I got like 20. You know, and you're just like running through the woods, like getting all these cubes. And you get to the end of the race and your arms are just stacked with cubes. And you're like, I won. And then the, the guy comes out and he's like, actually you lost. And you're like, What? And you're looking around, all the other people, like they, they don't have any cubes in their hands. And you're, the guy's like, check it out, open up the cubes. And you open them up and there's seeds inside. And he's like, the point wasn't to see who could get the most cubes, the point was to see who could scatter the most seeds. That was the whole point. Wouldn't you be frustrated? Like you're all sweaty and gnarly, you've been running this race and you've been running for the wrong thing. Wouldn't you be frustrated? I would so be who would be frustrated? But you might think it's a stupid analogy, but seriously, There's a lot of times in our life, we are running the race for the wrong reasons and we're trying to get as much stuff as we can. We're trying to get money, we're trying to get happiness, we're trying to pursue our own pleasure and we're just filling up our arms with everything we can get. And we get to the end of the race and God's like, I mean, yeah, you can get into heaven, but the point wasn't to see how much you could get, the point was to see how much you could give away. The point was to see how much you could love. The point was to see how much you could serve, how much you could reach out to others and love and outreach. That was the whole point. That's how you win. That's how you get joy. That's how you're fulfilled. It's not through what you can gain for yourself. It's living life for the gospel. Jesus says, whoever's willing to lose his life for me will gain everything. I think the worst reason that we struggle with is apathy. And apathy is, for those of us who are youth pastors and youth leaders, like, it's the biggest struggle. Because we look at you guys and we see so much potential. But we realize you guys are just like us. And I think that's why I think as youth leaders, we hate apathy so much. If you guys know what apathy, what apathy is, it's not caring. It's when you just don't care. We're just like, I just don't really care about the Lord right now. I just don't really care. Like, if you ask me, like, do I want to read my Bible? The answer is no, I, I don't. Like, do I want to worship? No. I think the reason we hate it so much is because we see it in ourselves too. And we don't like it in ourselves. And we look at you and it's like, we want you guys to be on fire for the Lord. Not because it looks back on us and we feel good about ourselves, because we love you guys. But we realize apathy is a disease that we all can catch. Adults, students, it's huge. It's a huge problem. God has called us to care because there is a world out there that is sick and dying. And there is a God out there who loves the world and who hasn't given up on the world and who has always been trying to save his people and his good creation. He's a good God, and he loves the world, and he loves you, and he died for us, and he wants us to be passionate. That doesn't mean you have to look like somebody else and fake it and start weeping during worship. I mean, if if God moves you to do that, that's amazing. There's times where I've cried in worship, and it's beautiful, and I love it. But God doesn't want us to fake it. It's not about how, what we look like on the outside. It's not trying to like make yourself look like you're the holiest one. It's about what you feel in your heart. Are you passionate about Jesus? Do you love him? Yes. Good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was a, a youth pastor I watched on a video, a YouTube video. And he had this illustration. And I was watching it. And it like blew my mind. He's, he's at this camp. He's like, guys, I've got this bowl of goldfish. And he like pulls it out. And there's all these goldfish swimming around. he's like, don't you guys love goldfish? And everyone's like, oh, the goldfish are so cute. And then he gets this net. And he like lifts the goldfish out, like four of them, scoops them up. And he chucks about the audience, and he's like, he's like, the goldfish will die if you don't save them. Save the goldfish, and like all the students are like getting up, like, oh, we gotta save them. They're like picking them up and like, like scooping them up. I think one kid stepped on a goldfish, and so they lost one. But they grab the goldfish and they put them back in the goldfish jar. And the guy's like, you just, you saved the goldfish. And all the kids are like chapping, they're chapping, they're clapping and chapping. I don't know what that means, but they're. They're clapping and cheering is what I was trying to say. But then the guy like blew my mind because he's like the amount of excitement and passion you had to save those goldfish, is that what you feel for the lost people in your school? Is that what you feel for the people who are going to hell all around you? Do you want to save them the way that you saved those goldfish? And everyone just was like super quiet and they realized "That's, that's a lot of times how we, that's not how we feel a lot of times we look at people around us and, I mean, we we don't feel that way. This is crazy. This is crazy, guys. Check this out. This is real. This is a scientific study. There's this part of your brain. Let me see if I can find it in my notes. It is called the medial prefrontal cortex. Medial prefrontal cortex. It's like probably up here, I'm guessing, or like this it's prefrontal, it's probably Say it again? over. The medium, medial, sorry, prefrontal cortex. So it's this part of your brain. It's this part of your brain that is activated when you're, like, when you're dealing with people that you view as humans. When you deal with people who you view as fellow human beings, when you socialize with people, when you deal with your family, your medial prefrontal cortex lights up. They did this study and they had people engage with inanimate objects, like stumps, stools, <laughs> the medial <free> frontal <laughs> prefrontal cortex, that part of your brain, it didn't light up. When you're talking with people, it lights up. When you're talking to a stump, it doesn't light up because your brain doesn't register that you're dealing with a person. Then they had the test subjects go out and like, just walk by homeless people and look at them and it didn't light up. Because subconsciously, honestly, and maybe you might relate, you pass a homeless person on the street and you don't really view them as an actual person. To you, you know, maybe even you've heard from people in your life and you've repeat, repeated the rhetoric, like it's their fault, they put themselves there, they just need to get a job. And you, just, you see them as trash or not worth your time. I would be lying if I didn't tell you <laughs> that there's been times where I've walked by a homeless person and just straight up ignored them or like sneezed on them. (laughs) But seriously. And guys, you know what? Honestly, honestly, I think, honestly, at times we view the people in our schools, the people in our life who don't know Jesus, it's the same thing. We see them and it's just kind of like, not my problem. I've got my own thing going on. Why would I need... (laughs) Why would I need to preach to them? We're going to finish this up. If you're here tonight and you want to know how to outreach, I'm just going to tell you guys a few simple things. One, if you're going to outreach, if you're going to reach out to people, one, follow where the Spirit leads. Follow where Where the Spirit leads. Follow where? Where the Spirit leads. Thank you. I knew you were paying attention. There was a guy, uh, Pastor Alistair Begg, love the story, he's in the mall, he sees this lady, God tells him, preach the gospel to her. He says, no, not gonna do it. He's like, I'm a pastor, but it's like my day off, I don't wanna do it, I'm at the mall, I don't wanna preach the gospel to anybody. God comes again, there she is, preaches the gospel to her, nope, don't want to. Hour later, sees the same lady, preach the gospel to her, no, Lord, I don't want to. An hour later, sees the same lady, God says, go, just tell her Jesus loves her. He's like, oh, fine. And he goes up and he's like, hey, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. And the lady says, you're the 10th person who's told that to me today. God is always working. It's a true story. God is always working. Another thing, if you're gonna reach people, listen, listen. It's so easy for me to go through my day and be so preoccupied that I don't stop and listen to the Holy Spirit. Stop and ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? Another is... Respect the beliefs of others. Don't just try to debate with people. Cause like when you do that, when you come on so strong, when you get out there and you try to tell people about Jesus, but like all you're trying to do is just like shove something down their throat. It's kind of like those guys like at camp who uh, they're wearing like way too much Axe body spray. And it just, it just, it's just bad. You know what I'm talking about? I used to, I used to know a guy like that. He was gnarly, wore a ton of Axe spray, like too much. A little bit's okay, too much. He thought you could impress girls by like licking your finger and like like yeah. no hold on and then like swooping your eyebrows back, like slicking them back, and I was like, dude, you're weird. I don't know. Girls does that impress you? I don't yeah. Okay. Here's another thing. Listen. Here's another thing. <laughs> develop develop compassion. Hey, guys, if in your life If you look in your heart and you're honest with yourself and you realize that you struggle with having compassion on others, like I don't know about you, but like when I was your age, I struggled with pride sometimes, I struggled with viewing myself as better than others at times, and you know, uh, compassion. Compassion is looking at someone else and saying, I wanna view them as better than I view myself. I wanna love them the way Jesus loves me. Develop compassion, because there's problems. Like one of of the problems that I think sometimes the church can have is, you know, when only Christians come to church, it just becomes a social club. And I love you guys, but like, here's my question. When are we gonna start seeing people come who don't know Jesus? I want you to all think about that and pray about that. Is this place really an anchor of hope for the lost? Because if, guys, guys, listen, listen, like a lot of times for the church, Like, I'm just talking about churches as a whole. And some of you guys, you go to other churches too. Maybe you've seen this at our church. Maybe you've seen this at other churches. But sometimes the focus of a church can be what can we do to make things awesome for us? Like, how can we make sure we have a ton of broomball events and a ton of laser tags and like all this great food at our home fellowships and all this stuff for us? That's inReach. InReach is good. Sometimes in a church, the balance though is there's a lot of inReach and not a lot of outreach. And if the early church, who's the early church? The people who were around right after what? Jesus. Jesus. So if the early church's focus was just on inreach, just on like, let's have lots of feasts and let's hang out and let's like, just be really into ourselves, you know what would have happened? They would have lived and then they would have died and then there would be no more church. Does that make sense? So for us, we got upreach. We worship the Lord, we pray, we worship, we sing. It's great. We got inReach. We, we do inReach every Wednesday. We do inReach most Fridays. We do some inReach on Sundays. But when it comes to outreach, is that a heart, does that heart beat passionately in our group? Seriously, imagine if every one of you guys brought one friend who didn't know Jesus. Imagine what this group would look like. Imagine people hearing about Jesus for the first time. I'm telling you if, you, if you guys ever do that, if you, if you ever invite people who don't know Jesus and you, you text me and you tell me, like, I'll straight up change my entire message just to preach the gospel to them. That's how much I care about them coming to know Jesus. And I mean, in inviting people to this group who already know Jesus, I mean, that's great. Like, sometimes we invite people and they already go to a different church and they just wanna hang out and that's cool, that's good. But it's, it's kind of like inviting people who already ate to a buffet, you know, when there's are starving people on the streets, You guys know people in your schools who don't know Jesus. of course invite your friends who know Jesus here. Of course invite friends from other churches here as long as you're not stealing them from that youth group because I don't want to do that. But there's people out there who don't know the Lord that you know that you're friends with. Even at Christian schools, there's people out there that you know are struggling and they're not really walking with the Lord. Let's get them here so that they can hear about Jesus so that our counselors can minister to them so that you guys can show them what the family of God looks like. Another problem that we see in the world is people being good to people without giving them Jesus. There's this guy named KP Yohanan who's this guy who was um, part of Gospel for Asia, which is this big mission thing that went out to Asia and just ministered to tons of people. You know what he said? He was looking out and he was seeing that there was people coming over to Asia to be missionaries. And basically what they were doing was they were feeding people, they were giving people water, but they weren't telling them about Jesus. And they're just saying, that's enough. We don't need to like, get preachy at them. We don't need to tell them about the Lord. K.P. Johannes stood up and he said, listen, you've filled their bellies, you've quenched their thirst, and now they're full on the way to hell. I think, as Christians, we need to do both. We need to preach the gospel. We need to clothe the people without clothes. We need to feed the hungry. We need to give water to those who have no water. Just like you guys did when we went out. Remember, you guys filled up that uh, box full of water bottles and you're passing them out to people. It's so rad. Love that heart. It was so good. We need to do stuff like that. We need to give people Jesus. We can't just give them food. We can't just give them water. We can't just give them friendship. We've got to give them Jesus. How many of you guys have ever been on a missions trip? Anybody? Missions trip? I've been in on a ton. You know what I've experienced as a missions trip kid? While I'm on a missions trip, I'm like, I've gotta reach everybody. I've gotta witness to you. I've gotta tell you about Jesus. I've gotta just bring you to the Lord. And then I get home, and I see people, and I'm like, eh, I mean, that's what I did on the mission field. But I'm home now, so I don't really, guys, listen. God wants us to have a missionary mindset. This is actually a big heart I have for this group. I want you guys to grow up out of this group and go to college group and go to church as an adult and live your life and get married and go to school and like all this stuff. I want you guys to do that thinking of yourself as a missionary. God has put me in this world, whether you guys end up in England or Australia or New Zealand or Vista, California, wherever God has you. I want you guys to think God has planted me here as a missionary. As this group, seriously guys, I want you guys to be thinking for Hope's Anchor. Everything that we do should be evangelism. We should be living our lives and loving each other in this group in a way that if anybody who didn't know us looked over that fence, it's kind of creepy, but if they looked over and they saw us, they would see Jesus. We need to live here in this group, you at home, where no one can see you at school live a life that is a testimony to what Jesus has done in your life. The last thing I'll talk about is just the fact that evangelism is hard. Who has ever gone out street witnessing with us? Who has ever been really bummed after a street witnessing encounter? Anybody? Yeah, it's tough. Remember, uh, who was there? Was anyone there at Madison Middle School when they like, Totally chucked those DVDs at our faces. And you remember that? When we made those DVDs about the gospel, you guys are so cute in that too. You guys are all so young. You're like, what is the gospel? Let me tell you. <laughs> so tiny and amazing. Christian has a good line in there. He's like, uh, it is real, I think, is your, is your line. And we went out there and we gave those DVDs to people and they cussed us out. They snapped those DVDs in half. They chucked them at us. I think uh, Juan got cut. Remember Juan? Oh, Andre? Yeah, you got cut. <laughs> sliced. Sliced by a DVD. It was gnarly. And I remember, I remember you guys came up to me, and you were like, what is this? We went out. We did what you told us to, and like, people cussed us out, and they asked us, like, is this like sketchy stuff? What the heck? And they broke it and chucked it. Like You guys remember? It was, it was kind of a bummer. And I remember in that moment, you know, I was looking at your little junior high faces. um, And God spoke to me and he, he gave me the words, and I was like, hey, guys, Jesus said this would happen. He said if we preached the gospel, we would be persecuted. Isn't it amazing that, like, what Jesus said would happen happened? Jesus said we would be rejected. Jesus said that if we followed him with our whole hearts, this is what would happen. And for a lot of us, we'd never really been rejected. For a lot of us, it was like, this is like the first time I'm really doing what God has called me to do. And and I love that feeling. And here's the awesome thing, people got saved from that video. For one, four girls in Australia saw it, I don't know how, they saw it, and I heard from a missionary in Australia, we saw your video, four girls got saved. Um, There was skaters, I remember that day, I went down to the skate park, I saw a bunch of skaters who were holding the DVDs in their hands. They would have just chucked them if they were gonna throw them away. They're skating and doing tricks with the DVDs. I saw people putting them in their backpacks. The Lord did a work. It's just, it's, it's so encouraging. This is what I say every time we go out street witnessing, and this is a, this is what I want you guys to remember every time we go out, every time we street witness, and every time you are called by God in your school, in your neighborhood, at the skate park, on the field, whenever God calls you to share the gospel with somebody, you got to remember you're just the seed planter. You just plant seeds. You're not responsible to save someone. If you go out and you tell someone about Jesus and they say, whatever, man, and they blow you off and they take off, you have planted a seed in their heart that God can grow. I know a guy who's a missionary in Australia. His name's Brad. He's friends with the Polanzics. And uh, Brad, he's like 40-something, going for Jesus, strong in Australia, loving the Lord. You know how he got saved? He was down at the pier. Some dude comes up to him and just says, hey, did you know Jesus loves you? He's like, no. And the guy was like, well, he does. And he, like, took off. <laughs> Didn't go deep into the gospel with him. And Brad was just like, whatever, bro. And he just left. For three weeks, that's all he could think about. Jesus loves me? Who's Jesus? I don't know who that is. Oh, I'm going to talk to the Polanzics. They know about Jesus. And then he gets saved. Like, just, now he's a missionary in Australia. Guys, God is moving. And I just want you guys to know he wants to use you. And here's my confession. Here's my confession. Here's my, this is my big confession to you guys for tonight. You guys know me. There have been times in my life, because we've been doing this thing together for a long time, all of us. There's been times in my life where God got me so fired up about evangelism and I was doing it on my own all the time and then I was coming back and telling you guys about it. I'll just be honest, lately, I haven't really been doing it that much. I do it once a month on the Saturdays when we go out, but there's actually been times where like I feel like God was like, hey, you should... Witness to that guy. You're down by the beach. You're taking a walk, trying to get some exercise. Just stop for a few minutes and talk to this guy. And I'm like, no, that's what I do once a month on Saturdays. Like, I'm really busy right now. I got to get home because Brooklyn's making dinner. I got to work off these calories. Like, I just, I got, and just being me focused. That's how. That's how honestly how I've been lately. And the Lord convicted me as I was studying for this. And I feel like the Lord wants me to personally commit to sharing the gospel with people and asking God on just a regular basis, who do you have for me? at the park, at, at the beach, at the parking lot. Like, who do you have for me to share the gospel to? Lead me to that person, let me do it. And I, I just want to be committed to do that more. And I'm going to be praying for you guys that you can make that same commitment because you can do it. We've, we've been doing this long enough that you know that you can do it. You, you don't have to have me holding your hand or Scotty holding your hand or Brooklyn with you praying. Like, you don't, you don't, you don't need that. You just need the Holy Spirit. God wants to use you guys. And I want to see this group as a group of missionaries preaching the gospel for Jesus. What do you guys think of that? Sound good? Mm-hmm. Good. Love you guys so much. Let's, let's pray. And then, do uh, you want know, to close with a song, Stephen, and then we'll break up in the small groups?